Hello, this is Father Michael Eads from the Toronto Oratory, and you're listening to Lexio et Oratio, a short spiritual reading podcast followed by a reflection. The Imitation of Christ by Thomas Akempis, Book 1, Chapter 24, about the judgment and how sinners are punished. At every turn of your life, keep the end in view. Remember that you will have to stand before a strict judge who knows everything, who cannot be won over by gifts or talked round by excuses, who will give you your deserts. What sort of defense will you make before one who knows the worst that can be said against you? Poor, sinful fool, so often panic-stricken when you meet with human disapproval. Strange that you should look forward so little to the day of judgment, when there will be no counsel to plead for you, because everyone will be hard put to maintain his own cause. How is the time to work? Now is the time to work, while there is a harvest to be reaped. Now is the time when tears and sighs and lamenting of yours will be taken into account and listened to and can make satisfaction for the debt you owe. Nothing so important, nothing so useful, if you want to clear your soul of that debt, as to be a man who can put up with a great deal. Such a man, if he is wronged, is more distressed over the sin committed than over the wrong done him. He is always ready to say a prayer for his enemies, forgives an injury with all his heart, and is quick to ask forgiveness of others. And you will find him more easily moved to pity than to anger. And all the while, he is putting constraint upon himself, doing all he can to make corrupt nature the servant of the spirit. Much better to get rid of your sins now, prune away your bad habits here, than keep them to be paid for hereafter. It's only our preposterous attachment to creature comforts that blinds us. Those fires, what is it they will feed on but your sins? The more you spare yourself and take corrupt nature for your guide, the heavier price you will pay later on, the more fuel you are storing up for those fires. The pattern of a man's sins will be the pattern of his punishment. Red-hot goads to spur on the idle. Cruel hunger and thirst to torment the glutton. See where the dissipated souls that so love their own pleasures are bathed in hot pitch and reeking sulfur where the envious souls go howling like mad dogs for every grief. Each darling sin will find its appropriate reward. For the proud, every kind of humiliation. For the covetous, the pinch of grinding poverty. Spend a hundred years of penance here on earth. It would be no match for one hour of that punishment. Here we have intervals of rest and our friends can comfort us. There is no respite for the damned, no consolation for the damned. Take your sins seriously now. Be sorry for them now, 
And at the day of judgment, you will have confidence, the confidence of blessed souls. How fearlessly then the just will confront those persecutors of theirs who kept them down all the time. The man who submitted to human judgment so meekly will now take rank as judge. In perfect calm, they will stand there, the poor, the humble, while the proud are daunted by every prospect that meets them. We will see then what the true wisdom was, learning how to be a fool and despised for the love of Christ. Troubles endured with patience will be a grateful memory to us, and it will be a turn of the wicked to look foolish. See how all the pious souls make merry and the scoffers go sad? How the body that was mortified shows fairer now than if it had been continually pampered. How rags are all the wear and fine clothes look shabby. How the gilded palace shrinks into insignificance beside the poor man's cottage. The dogged patience you showed here will do you more good than all earth's crowns. You will get more credit for unthinking obedience than for any worldly wisdom. Philosophy will be less consolation to you than a good clean conscience. And all the treasures of earth won't outweigh the contempt of riches. The devout prayers you offered, not the good meals you ate, will be your comfort then. The silence you kept, not the long chats you had, will be pleasant to think of then. Saintly deeds done, not phrases neatly turned, will avail you then. A well-disciplined life of hard penitential exercise, not a good time here on earth, will be your choice then. You have got to realize that all your sufferings here are slight ones and will get you off much worse sufferings hereafter. How much will you be able to stand there? The amount you stand here is a good test. You who find it so hard to bear these pen pricks, how will you be able to take eternal punishment? What will you make of hell when you make such a to-do about small discomforts? No, you can't have your own way twice over. You can't take your pleasure in this world and then reign with Christ. And now, suppose you had lived all your life and were still living today, surrounded with honors and pleasures. What use would it all be if you were to fall down dead this instant? Everything, you see, is just meaningless, except loving God and giving all our loyalty to him. Love God with all your heart, and you've nothing to fear, death or punishment, judgment or hell. Love, when it reaches its full growth, 
is an unfailing passport to God's presence. And if we are still hankering after our sinful habits, of course we are afraid of death and judgment. Just as well, all the same. That if love can't succeed in beckoning us away from evil courses, we should be scared away by the fear of hell. Only if a man doesn't make the fear of God his first consideration, his good resolutions won't last. He will walk into some trap of the devils before long. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Angels of God, our guardians dear, to whom God's love commits us here, ever this day be at our side, to light and guard, to rule and guide. Amen. Most sacred heart of Jesus, teacher of teachers, have mercy on us. St. Philip Neri, apostle of Rome, child of Mary, vessel of the Holy Ghost, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Last chapter was about death. And now he talks about what follows after death, namely judgment. He's combining both the particular judgment, that is, the account we will render at the very moment of our death, when we go before Christ, and also the final judgment, which will confirm the particular judgment, but will add to it the resurrection of the body and all the good that our lives did after our particular judgment, all the ways that our lives influence others for good or for ill. So death and judgment. And then he brings up hell. These are three of the four last things. What's the last thing of this world? Death. And then what happens before we enter into eternal life? Judgment. So this world really ends with death and judgment. And then there are two final ending points, heaven or hell. And Thomas Akempis puts before us tonight a proposal. Why not live our life now, keeping in mind the possibility of hell? And he has various arguments that are very clever to try to help us understand how terrible hell is. He says it's worse than a hundred years of penance in this life. If you did a hundred years of penitential exercises, it would be nothing. And he says, think of a pen prick. Think of some annoying thing now. And if we can't bear that, how are we going to stand the punishments of hell? Now, why is he telling us all this? Is he trying to scare us? Partly. Why? Because he knows that at the end of the day, there are situations in almost every human life at some point early on in one's conversion, but sometimes even later, where the only thing that keeps us from sin is not wanting to go to hell. But also, the very end of this chapter, what does he bring up? The devil. The devil. Because the devil never sleeps. And we're not only up against our corrupt, fallen human nature. We're not only up against bad habits we formed. We're not only up against the world and human temptations. No, we're up against the principalities and powers, the world rulers of this present darkness, the devil and his angels. And they are so clever and they set so many traps 
that we need to be on guard. Because, as St. Philip Neri used to say, unless we go down into hell in this life, we run the risk of going there after we die. And so Thomas Aquinas puts before some of the punishments of hell even, some of the things that will be fitting punishments for the kinds of sins we did. Again, he's trying to paint a picture. He's trying to make real to us that there is an eternal consequence of sin. But at the same time, he puts before us a noble image of this life. How beautiful is it in that second section where he says there's nothing so useful, nothing so important as to be able to put up with a great deal. Why is that so important? Because if we put up with a great deal in this life that we would not really like to undergo, we're doing penance. And we're not doing it of our own uh, thinking, our own devising. We're doing what the Lord allows to happen to us. We're setting ourselves in line with his will. How beautiful it would be if when we were wronged, we thought more of the sin that's committed than our being wronged. How beautiful it would be if we were given the grace to pray for our enemies to forgive an injury, to ask forgiveness, to be moved to pity. How beautiful it would be if we could say when we heard of some catastrophe, some terrible decision, how many people are gonna suffer, how sad this is, rather than jumping to some angry denunciation. Fine, it's evil, fine, it's terrible, but why? It's terrible because people are gonna suffer. That's why it's really terrible. It's so terrible how much people are going to suffer from some of these decisions. And that's where the charitable heart goes. Because the charitable heart really wants people to be happy. The charitable heart, the one that has the love of God, loves people, cares for people the way a mother cares for her children. That is, the charity really cares about the good of the other person for the sake of their good, not for anything we can get out of the person. We want their good for the sake of their good. And ultimately the good we want is them to have eternal happiness. And so in the end, this is what's gonna matter when we're judged. This is what our life will be measured by, not by money, not by influence, not by books, not by worldly acclaims, not by honors, not by great meals. Although all those things have their proper place, they can have their proper place. But none of those things can be our ultimate standard of judging the value of our life. The only thing on which our life will be judged is divine love. If we have divine love in our heart, then our life has been a success. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.